This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Candid Life podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I'm your host, Lydia Gargo. Today, we are going to be talking about living the word. Specifically, we're going to focus on segment one, discovering the word. Segment two, accepting the word. And segment three, applying the word. Today, my special guest is Russell Mukes, a prolific and passionate poet. Russell Mukes, also known as Alopex, has been writing and performing Christian poetry since 1999, with a keen interest in Christian apologetics, which is defined as the defense of the Christian faith. He uses his awareness and knowledge in his work to craft and deliver powerful pieces. A local artist, he has performed in Detroit, Pontiac, Ferndale, Southfield, Troy, just to name a few, and online as one of the hosts of Quarantine Poetry. He currently ministers under the banner of Woodside Bible Church in Troy, Michigan, where Chris Brooks serves as his senior pastor. Well, welcome, Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Well. Before we look up, before we get into our chat, I was um, tempted, let's say, to look up the word word in the dictionary, and I was intrigued. It said, a single distinct meaningful element of speech or writing. A single distinct meaningful element of speech or writing. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> um, I, I have a a similar working definition is that a, a word is in part conceptual. Okay. So when you look at a sentence, a, a sentence is a complete thought. Mm-hmm. So every word is a part of that complete thought. It in itself it being incomplete because it is just one word, not one sentence. Okay. I mean, how do I respond to that? (laughs) I don't even know how to respond to that. Anyway, let's go ahead. And uh, you see, folks, I just need to tell you, Russell is really deep. And so (laughs) I may have to ask him to break some of his explanations into Uh, layman's English uh, so that we all keep up. But that's a good thing. I thought I just... That's a good thing. I I thought he did too. I thought he did too, but that's okay. That's okay. That's Russell for us. Well, let's go ahead and just talk a little bit. And of course, our people want to know who you are. So we are in segment one right now, discovering the word. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, your upbringing, and I am curious to know whether you were part of a literary family. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. I come from, as I would like to say, a family of teachers. Um, my mother is, bless her soul, still in Baltimore at this age of hers, teaching. Um, How old is she? 
not going to get in. Oh, really? We're not going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> she's not quite 90, but she's way past 65. Okay. I'm going to leave we'll it there. We'll leave it at that. That's fine. <laughs> See, now I don't get hit. Okay. Um, uh, my, my father, uh, for years, has been a martial arts instructor. My sister recently passed, but she died being a teacher. I've taught, um, like, chess coach, that kind of thing. So... <laughs> Uh, coming up, uh, especially my mother was very, uh, let's say, zealous in ensuring that her children understood the value of words. Okay. Yeah, I like I like that. I like I like that. Let's yeah, go. The value of words. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When she said do something, you better you do it. You follow through. <laughs> Because if you didn't, she was going to show you some other words (laughs) and with some other correlating actions that you might not want to, yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm. So Mm. words were really very much a part of your life growing up. That's very interesting. So what about poetry? How did you, I won't say you fall into it. I mean, how, what were the origins of of your poetry? That's exactly it. I literally fell into poetry. For the longest time, of course, we get into hip-hop, and then we uh, get back into our faith. And so there was this, of course, dichotomy. Oh, hip-hop sounds great, but it's not giving me anything theological. It's not Mm -hmm. doing anything for my spiritual walk. It's about the cash and the clothes and the problems of the day and yada, yada, yada great, but I don't hear Jesus, there's no salvation, there's nothing. Then you fast forward um, to the birth of Christian hip-hop, what do they call it now, CHH. And so you hear uh, Toby Mac, you hear various individuals, but then then you come into uh, the awareness of certain people like the Cross Movement, Corey Red, MC Precise, these guys were on the East Coast in Philadelphia, and they were just so awesome. It was incredible. Um, Okay, great. Now I have not only my hip-hop, but now I also have Christian lessons that I'm getting challenged by. I'm I'm growing. Okay, cool. Um, And I thought that was... That was that was it. That's all I needed. Yay! <laughs> no, so I you know uh, moved down to ooh New Jersey for a minute, as we want to do. Uh, we get involved with the, a local church there, and we have always had this thing. Uh, those of us in the Mukes clan, you don't just go to church; you work in the church mm-hmm. and you grow in the church. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be part of the church, then be part of the church. Uh, so we got involved with the youth group. The kids benefiting from a lot of that. Um, me much less so, because uh, I was doing all the working. And um, it came to a point where I was just doodling with some words and speaking with the other, you know, folks who were running the youth group at the time. They were like, "Hey, man, you should, you should do a, a poem. You should write a rap or that." And I'm like, "What? No." Like yeah, you know what? Yeah, and then and then and then present it to the to the group. Hmm. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do that. You should do that. We'll set this up for next Friday. No. <laughs> so the next Friday uh, was my first time, and that was in 1999. It was just after just after the whole 9/11, hmm. um, and and that was my 
first time doing poetry. What was the name of the poem? Oh, first poem, Be Not, that's what it was. Great poem. Um, then we moved back to Detroit, and I'm like, well, that was just, that was just for, for them. God doesn't want me, that was just a fluke. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Wrong. Okay, so <laughs> then we wind up uh, uh, going back to the church that, that we had uh, had left, um, uh, Strictly Biblical, under Pastor Emery Moss. And unbeknownst to me, they had already tried a little poetic group there, and it didn't do well. There was this young lady um, named Angel Rivers. She was a dancer and a poet. And I was like, well, you know, I got this poem that I wrote when I was in New Jersey. Here, you take it. That was like a really bad mistake. I didn't know at the time until she started, you know, reading me up and down. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean God gave this to you and you're not and you're trying to give it away and you're not trying to sit down and minister the way God gave it to you. And and I mean, this little maybe five foot woman, I am. For your listening audience, I am six five and a half, <laughs> and and this young woman, she's even younger than me. She is reading me up and down, and I'm feeling like, Mom, could you stop yelling at me? And there was nothing I could do but just stand there, and just she just with her words was just hammering at me, and I was just like, okay, I have just been beaten by a woman who was not my mother, verbally. I think I need to take care of this. So I went to Pastor Moss, and he was like, well, you know, there was this group. Here's some people who were involved. Why don't you take it over? Wait, 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 wait. I wasn't asking about leading. I wasn't asking about taking anything over. I just wanted to get involved. I didn't know about the, I know. So here you go. Uh, make sure you guys meet and then you get back with me. And I'm like, what? Oh, you got to be kidding me. So um, after praying about it, God was just kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks, God, for that. And, um, yeah, off I went. And so that was uh, 2001. And from then it was just steady, you know, nothing like. I know I don't have a career and you know travel the world or anything like that, but it's just been uh, something consistent, uh, something that I've had a uh, a lot of growing to do in in being a Christian poet. Most people are poets, and they kind of look at me real crazy. Uh, there's this thing that po we poets have a tendency to do, and we go, "Well, what was your inspiration for writing this? How do you how do you craft your poem?" And I go. Well, um, yeah, I don't do that stuff that you guys do. I'm, I'm over here. What, what do you mean? And at first it was very difficult to explain because I didn't understand it myself. But uh, having a little bit more experience now, I understand that this is a spiritual gifting given by God. So now uh, through that spiritual gifting, I operate and I can write the poem. So if I'm not operating in that gift, I got nothing. So, and people are going, whoa, okay, you're weird. Okay, got you. Thanks for that. Uh, That's good. That's really good. I mean, just that, 
genesis, I suppose, call it the genesis of your poetry. I, I, I mean, I write as well. And um, mm, interestingly, I was going to ask you, you've jumped ahead of me, which is okay. <laughs> what was your first poem? And you did Bina. mention the name. What was the name again? Bina. Yeah. Bina. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you share that really briefly. If you can remember it, even if it's just the first two lines. Oh, okay. But I, I remember when I wrote my first poem, it was actually out of disappointment. I wrote it because I was heartbroken uh, by something somebody had done. And so my first poem was actually Wounded Heart, Don't hmm. Weep. Hmm. And that was the first poem I wrote. And in that middle of the night, just writing that poem, Wounded Heart, don't weep. The last line said, wounded heart, don't weep for the promises of God he will keep. And I remember Hmm. when I put that period down at the end of that sentence, all those feelings of hurt and disappointment that I was feeling at the time when I wrote that poem just dissipated. So, before we go into a break, go ahead and read that poem, that first poem that you wrote, <laughs> because I, I think it's good to just go back to the beginning, and then we will take a quick break. All right. Well, to uh, quickly preface it, this was, again, back in the day when I was um, coerced to write in order to um, encourage the youth. So from that, you get this poem entitled, Be Not. Be seen, not as a thing to devour, but one who displays God's power, not as just attendees on Sunday, but standing on what God will say, not weekly, not daily, but hourly being godly, living holy, invariably searching, perpetually thirsting for the eternal champion, the mighty lamb arisen. Be noticed. Not as a fool, but one whom God uses as a tool like thread on a spool to get the job done and glorifying the Holy One. Not seen as searching for fun. It it doesn't build character. A mere piece of what God is after the rest is revealed by the Master. Fun is momentary laughter. It's good for the soul. But it's meant for a sip, yet you got a bowl, should eat God's joy like cereal, not feasting on fun like sugar. Feeling good now? Okay, well, how about later? You didn't think about the crash and falling is just a mad dash and now it's about the rush. Trouble comes and fun went flush. And all happiness is down the drain. You lost all you tried to maintain. You're in control like a runaway train. Seeking to escape from the pain. More fun is the goal to attain, knowing the end. But you can't seem to abstain. And his blood's power enables us to refrain. So don't accept the restraint of a sin may chain. No. Be not labeled as carnal, but be known as spiritual. And in the biblical or Christian sense, for none else has any relevance. Wow. Folks, I think after that, we definitely need a break. We'll be back. Segment two, coming up, accepting the word. Just stay where you are. Welcome. 
welcome back. This is The Candid Life. If you are joining us, my name is Lydia. And The Candid Life is about turning our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. Today we are talking about living the word. Russell closed us out in the last segment, discovering the word with the poem, Be Not, one of his first poems that he had written back in 1999. And that was actually inspired by the um, the youth group, he said, yeah. um, just to challenge him because they could see that he had this gift of writing and um, he hasn't stopped since. Now, listening to that poem, I, I was very struck. <laughs> I quite overwhelmed by the pictures that were being portrayed through that poem. My question to you is, um, hmm, apart from the inspiration, when you deliver that first poem to that group, um, that youth group, how do they respond to the message in it? Mm, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I don't know how they responded to the message, but I know that they liked the poem. In their defense, they were teenagers. Okay. Um, perhaps that was their first adventure to spoken word poetry. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if they knew how to take it. I would love to hope that as the Holy Spirit kept that in their remembrance, they started learning from said poem and were able to get closer to him. But mm -hmm. that's, that's always the goal. Right, okay. You said you consider yourself a Christian. Yes. Okay, what does that actually mean? That means that Christ is the center of all. Everything that I have to do, everything that I am, I don't have the, any of that without Christ. So my Christianity is one that, my faith is one that dictates what I do. It dictates where I go, it dictates everything. Um, and, and generally speaking, when it doesn't, I, okay, I'm not operating the way I should. I'm, I'm over here, left field somewhere. Uh, I need to get back. Okay, um, hey dad, are we good? Uh, what do I need to get right on? Okay, I'll work on that, thank you. And we move on. Um, Christianity is, is an inside out religion. Mm -hmm. So everyone in the room can be Christian, but my faith, is saying that there are certain things I should do. We could, as a result, disagree on what it is that I think I should do, but my faith says I need to do this. So it's, it behooves me to not wag the finger at anyone else who disagrees on what I'm talking about in terms of things that are not strictly uh, labeled in the Bible. If I go home and have a drink, and I don't get drunk, I just have a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. There's no problem there. The Bible says to, you can drink, but do not get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So okay. for me, that's not a problem. Other people who are Christians may have problems with that. Right. Um, and so, okay. But my faith says it's okay. I have 
biblical precedent right here. I have the understanding of this scripture. I'm going to move in this okay. in this path. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, this person may, may have been an alcoholic and may have problems with it. So I'll make sure I don't drink around you because now I'm causing you a temptation to harm yourself. And God doesn't want that. So let's let's just stay away from you with that. Let's not drink as long as you are here so I don't harm my brother. But, you know, am I allowed? Sure. Mm-hmm. Is he allowed? Probably not. Right. And so I can't condemn him because he looks on alcohol the way he does, nor should he condemn me because of the way I look in mine, but let's stay inside out. Let's make sure that I am correct where I need to be correct. Now when I go out and I go, okay, is what you're doing a matter of, you know, going against the principles laid out in the Bible, or is this just something that I don't like? Because if it's just something I don't like, then I should just shut up. Okay. So basically what you're saying, if, if I'm hearing you correctly about the inside out, it's really a relationship you're saying with Christ. Yes. Yes, A very relationship much so. with the Word, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. you're talking about loving God yes. and loving people. And as you, know, as you have that relationship with, with God... He shows you how to live the life in a yes. way that you can continue to show his love to people. What she just said, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That, right there, right there. What okay, she was talking try about. Try to simplify it because I'm a teacher, okay? <laughs> so that's that's good. I, I'm I'm just curious. Like this is this is a podcast called The Candid Life. And of course, I know it's not just the Bible that dictates how you write. Of course, life also, life's situations, life's challenges, life's joys also have a play a part into how you write, I would have thought. You know, yes or no, maybe tell me a little bit more about that. Sure, sure, those those will come into play. Okay. It's not that they don't, it's that everything gets rinsed through Scripture. Okay. Everything gets rinsed through what I understand God's will is. Mm-hmm. Now, from that point, how now then how do we look at how do again how do we look at alcohol? How do we look at uh, uh, current events? How do we look at this? How do we look at that? How we how do we look at uh, other theological systems of thought? How do we view these things considering your view coming through Scripture? With that, I can I so can, can write. sifting everything through mm-hmm. that. I had a chance to go on your um, blog. Oh dear! And just read a little bit. I'm sorry. Oh, by the way, full disclosure. <laughs> full disclosure. I I have known Russell for a couple of years. You know, on and off. If there's any such thing as an on and off, I met Russell um, at a oh church gosh, yeah. back in. Uh, Troy called Zion Christian Church, which is now the Motor City Church, and we did something very briefly together. But when I listen to Russell and I read his poetry, there's always a sense of urgency, and I think it's it's just maybe it's just the way you communicate your poetry that from his first line you are grabbed. You have to listen to whatever it is that he's saying. And I know he's feeling a little griped because I didn't let him read the first poem he had prepared, so I will allow him to do that. (laughs) Uh, But just that sense of urgency, that message that you're trying to communicate to, to the listeners. When you stand to share 
or sit to share, whatever the case may be, wherever you are, in the cafe or in the church or whatever setting you're in, why does it come across like there's this sense of urgency in your voice? There's almost this push to communicate and make it a haiku. Make it a haiku explanation, Mm. meaning keep it brief. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, So short version is... If you want to think of it along the military lines, I am a Christian militant. There are situations in the Bible where God says, you are to do this, and it's a fight. You're to be the watchman on the wall. So when trouble comes, when the opposition comes, you can sound the alarm. You are to be geared up, okay, with the feet shod with the gospel of peace. You have a shield of faith. You have a helmet of salvation. You have a sword of the spirit. These are violent things. And there is one particular scripture that always hits me. And it says that the kingdom is taken by violence and the violence suffers. Or, or the, let me get it right. Okay, I can't get it right. All right, well, the bottom line becomes it is a violent prospect. You are in a war, a spiritual war. Most people don't understand that. And if you look at the parallels of a spiritual and a physical war, you know, there are all kinds of ambushes um, where people are taken unawares. There are casualties on both sides. Some casualties are due to you being in that conflict on purpose. You you, you are in that army. You are part of the force, either invading or defending. But there are also other casualties. You just had a battle on my front porch. You blew through my house. You shot at me. I didn't know what was going on. I was a civilian, and I'm still dead. I'm still involved in this conflict, even though I had no intention. And many people don't understand that you are acting as if you are a civilian. But in this physical war, that's fine. But in the spiritual war, there are no civilians. We are all soldiers, either prepared or not. So from that comes that urgency you were talking about. You need to be prepared. You need to, because the war's been raging. Hi, thanks for catching up. Now let's go. Because the war hasn't stopped just because you weren't affected just yet. That's a very long haiku. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but very well said. I, I think I never thought about it like that. You know, just like you said, you know, there are those who are prepared, who are in the war. You have the casualties. Mm. I mean, when you start talking about, it's almost like a drive-by. Mm-hmm. It feels a little mm-hmm. like a drive-by, a lot, right? A lot like a, a drive-by. A lot like a drive-by. You have mm-hmm. somebody just minding their own business. They're at a party, and there's... Child's get, child gets shot, and they had really nothing to do with it. I mean, that's a gruesome example to give, but that's what Very comes apropos. to me. Yeah, that, 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 what, that is just what comes to my mind. Um, and you're describing yourself as a militant, as, hey, I have my marching orders, right? Exactly. And I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to sound the alarm. I'm going to sound the alarm. You know, there's somewhere in Scripture where it talks about um, we need to sound the alarm, you know, that we can't be caught sleeping in this day. There no. is no room for sleeping because 
evil things are happening around us and burying our heads in the sand doesn't mean that they're not going to affect us. A lot of the time people don't, um, they feel, well, I'm not affected, so I don't care. But the reality is today, it may be somebody else, tomorrow it could be you, mm -hmm. right? And I think that militant, it's not a negative, it's just, like I said, it's just almost like a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. We need to know, you need to know, this right. is what's going on, and um, keep your eyes open, be alert. You know, the Bible says that we have an adversary who's roaming around looking for people who he wants to devour and you see your, your, yourself as the standing in the gap type person sounding the alarm so you know thank you for, for sharing that or should I be the one saying it? <laughs> 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 a little lost there for a minute but anyhow but you know I, don't, I know you're feeling a little gripe that you didn't share your first poem so I'm going to let really? you go ahead and just share that poem and then we'll, we'll go ahead and have a break what about that? This is Russell Mukes Alapex hmm. with his next poem. Uh, the name of the poem is entitled Simply Change. Simply Change. You say, for God, I'm working. And this each Sunday morning is how you converse. You do seem to be serving and you are indeed moving, but it's in reverse. You say you want a blessing and yet and still you keep sinning since you're still bound to the curse. Or you're outside of the church crying. Life is hard. And yes, you are struggling can't keep clean when in mud you traverse. It is for your trust that God is asking in the truths he has been supplying, but in Satan's lies you consistently immerse. In either case, of the best you're demanding, but when God's looking, you choose what is worse. You aren't actually living. You are actively waiting for your turn to ride in a hearse. And if you don't want that eternal burning that you will get when God is rejecting, then by all means, live holy and not perverse. Folks, with that... I think we definitely need a break. And when we come back, segment three, applying the word, stay with us. Welcome back. And if you are joining us, this is the Candid Life podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I'm your host, Lydia Gargo. Today, our special guest, Russell Mukes. I actually like the name Alapex, and I am going to ask him, uh -oh. where on earth did this Alapex come from? <laughs> Before we go into the next section. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> What's up with the Alapex? I like to be creative. Um, <laughs> coming up, words are important. So it, 
the natural thing for me to do was to fall into linguistics, go into different languages, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at Russell, Russell has uh, different meanings in different languages. In any uh, romantic language, uh, any language that, that is affected by Greek or influenced by the Greek language, uh, such as French, Spanish, Russell means little red fox. When you go into what word in the Greek means a little fox, you come up with the word alopex. So you're calling me or you're calling me. Either way it goes, I'm fine with that. You even have a biblical precedent for that. Um, um, Jesus was, was, was being told about uh, something that Herod had done and he, he told the disciples, you go tell Herod that little fox, such and such and such and such. And that word, and when you look at a Greek translation, is alopex. So. That's fascinating. Oh, by the way, folks, he's wearing red. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. It's his favorite color. I don't know if it has any significance, but the fox and the red. Hmm. Okay, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. So alopex is very intriguing, a very intriguing name. But uh, I'm really impressed with the origins of it. Uh, I mean, listening to what you just shared uh, with that last poem, Change. Hmm. Hmm. Talk to me about that. I mean, you are definitely a wordsmith. <laughs> Whew, all those rhymes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> talk to me about the Talk to me about Changed and, of course, the inspiration there with Changed. Uh, the inspiration with that is, again, completely biblical. It's all part of the salvation plan, okay? You have a person who did not know Christ, did not want Christ, and he comes in contact with that Christ, and he now has a choice to make. You can keep going down the path you've been going, or you can start now communing with this Christ. This Christ is going to, man, to demand that you what? Make changes. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you change, well, that, that's a, completely up to you. So you either change or you don't. But if you want to keep moving with him, simply change. That's good. Again, back to your writing. I'm sure our, our listeners would like to know what reference sources do you use? Like I said, you know, there's just so <sighs> many words, a lot of synonyms, there's rhyming, there's all this stuff going on. What words, I mean, what resources would you give your listeners, those poets out there or those who are aspiring to be poets, what resources would you suggest for them to help them get on the way. Don't look at me like that. Look at you, he's like, got this really strange like look. Whiz. He's got this strange you, look on his face. Yeah, very strange, because I have no idea how to counsel people on that front. I guess for me, again, language has been a big thing for me. Um, the Bible has always been a big thing for me. Learning um, about different languages, different cultures, different religions, all of that kind of factors in. I think that one of the the biggest things that factor into my poetry would be, as you read in the bio, the, the apologetics, being a defender of the faith. I can't defend the faith if I don't know what the faith is. So that there's a lot of study on my part, but again, that has nothing to do with the poetry itself. That just means that I have to study 
and and there's been a lot of of that going around as I came up. There was always something to look up. There was always something to research. But for anyone else, you have to look into you uh, and figure out what it is that you want to say, and then you have to figure out how to say it. And and with every poet, y'all can have the same inspirational thing be that you ran into this great mural or you, you, you saw this event, but every poet's going to do that differently. Okay. I mean, so it's definitely study. Definite. Well, Re- researching, well, researching content. In the, in the sense that you need to be informed. Okay. You need, uh, every poet needs information. That's why they have the inspiration. Right. That's good. Good word. You need information, inspiration. Those things go hand in they hand. Go hand, I, in I hand. I love that because I know that you know I've written poems for people, and I definitely have to gather the information, let it marinate. I can sit with it for a period of time, and usually, you know, I get woken up early hours of the morning <laughs> to write. Well, you've done those too. <laughs> I think my biggest inspiration moment is that early hours, two, three o'clock in the morning. Everything is just buzzing, and I'm writing. And so I'm having, you know, having those quiet times, I would say, right? Do you need quiet to write or not necessarily? I know some people, I know I need a little bit of quiet to write. Um, (laughs) No, I don't, I don't, I I actually appreciate the noise. You appreciate the noise. It helps to balance for me. Okay. Just me. Mm -hmm. I am, I, I have ever been a noisy child. Um, and I'm not so, surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, noise has always been in my head. It's just there. Whether I'm recalling who said what, if I'm making stuff up, um, if I'm just recalling what was, you know, the, the noise that the car made going down the street, there's always something. Um, so for me, there have been times when I try to get together with other poets, hey, let's just, you know, get together and write and just see what happens. And we meet somewhere over somebody's house and, you know, I guess to set the atmosphere, right? They had music going on. And, and then when they decide to pull out the pen and the paper, they turn the music off and I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? What you doing? <laughs> what? Okay. Turn that back on. I need the noise. Okay. So everybody's different. Everybody's basically. different. Everybody's different. Everybody. Hmm, definitely good to know. Another thing I noticed, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this quarantine poetry that you are part of online. Just, yes. just briefly, just, just briefly. briefly. But I, I noticed as well that you do a lot of memorization. Um, I know for me that's been a bit of a challenge. Uh, it, it takes me a minute to memorize. I can, but it just takes me quite a bit of time to memorize things so I tend to read off the script mm-hmm. but still put in the necessary inflections to communicate what I need to communicate to my audience but I notice, like I said you do a lot of dramatization really yes um, of your poetry yes. so h- how have you learned to memorize your work in order to dramatize it uh, well, there was a time um, when in college, while I should have been uh, in class, <clears throat> it wasn't. And um, I was uh, drawn to the drama department. And so 
they uh, had me do plays, and as a result, they had to say, okay, you need to memorize your script. I'm like, okay, so I got to get my parts down. No, 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 no. You have to memorize the script. Yeah, yeah, my parts. No, 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 no. You have to memorize all of the parts. You have to know what your lines are, sure, but you need to know when your lines are to start, when your lines are to end, and how your lines are to link up with other lines to help everybody else do their best. So that if they should happen to mess up, you have to know where they were coming from because they're going to try to get back there. And if you don't know their lines, then how do you, so you got to memorize the script. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Okay, so how am I supposed to do that? Well, and they did. They went through and showed me how to take the entire piece, read it through. Now you're just going to methodically go from the first line of the first page, memorize that. Now go to the second, memorize that. I want you to recall what was the first line. Okay, what was the second line? Great, go to the third line. And you keep doing that all the way through and you will memorize literally the entire script. That's good so fortunately, none of my poetry is that long. Yay. So it's easier in that respect. But as I was telling a friend of mine, nowadays, it was like I was just telling him like, man, I'm old. I, I need more time. I need this. I need that. I, I, there are times when I do need some quiet. Dang, really? Yeah, because I... And all of this has got to get done. And then I have to make sure that I'm disciplined enough to just memorize and not revise the poem because I messed up somewhere. Because uh, that okay. was an entirely ugly element because now I have to start <laughs> all over again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's a process. A it's interesting a process. process. A yes, process. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that word. All right. We're going to be wrapping up very soon. But I just... Um, want you to tell us very briefly let's try the haiku this time the haiku this five, time 575 tell us a little bit about the the quarantine poetry online uh, just really a quick snippet why okay. it was of course COVID mm. uh, but is it the same you know who is in that group and what kind of things do you do 575 okay let's try that <clears throat> 575 it's not my fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're blaming COVID? Oh, no, no. I, I blame <laughs> I, I, I blame one of the other hosts. Okay. Um, he actually came to me with the idea, okay. and I was like, that's a great idea. What do you want me to do? Right. I want you to help. Okay. So I helped. So and, you're, basically, literally, you're basically in there helping. I'm, I'm basically in there helping. Okay, opportunity to grow. I, I should admit, you know, COVID has definitely allowed us to do things that we would not normally even think about doing. And Zoom definitely has been a very positive thing, allowing us to connect across all country lines yeah. all over the world mm-hmm. with people who we would typically not connect with. So as painful as COVID has been, there have been some things that have been good that have come through the different um, technology advances Um, that are helping us. Well, this is The Candid Life. And um, as a poet who lives on the cutting edge of words, don't look at me like that. (laughs) Discovering 
accepting and applying the Word of God since you are a Christian, what does it mean to you to live the candid life? Um, to live the candid life in line and as it relates to Christianity is to be terribly, terribly honest through that lens. If you're wrong, I tell you. If I'm wrong, I'm expecting to be told. If, if this is the correct way to do it, then this is the correct way we move. And honestly, we have to, again, filter all things through the concept that there is a loving God. That loving God, however, is uh, uh, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He has all the answers. He is the answer. So if you have any questions, that's who you go to. Thank you so much, Alapex, for coming on the show. Uh, you've definitely inspired, challenged, and encouraged us to dare to live differently. And I know that our guests um, and the audiences out there will be very inspired by the things that they've heard today. How can they connect with you? Um, read your poetry or even invite you to one of the events? How can they connect with you, Alapex? Okay. Um, well, if you want to take a look at my blog, that would be poetry by alopex.wordpress.com. There is, of course, um, there's still uh, quarantine poetry. It's, it's still a thing and still going on. But you can always look it up on Facebook. I'm sure you can find it on Facebook. You look up Q Poetry, Q standing for quarantine. Uh, we meet every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for one hour from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And Quarantine Poetry is that place where we try to uh, encourage each other and, and have others encourage us to become the most dangerous poets we can be. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much. Family, if you have any thoughts or comments about this show, please email me at livethecandidlife at gmail.com. That's livethecandidlife at gmail.com. Until next time, please stay connected. I'm Lydia Gago. Live the Candid Life 24-7. In. Out. Again, in, out. Breathing as we move about, collecting material wealth and imagined clout, that's what some would call living. Wage earning, whether for bill paying or hoarding, spree shopping or entertainment spending, some would call that living not struggling due to relocating but traveling in style by car plane or sailing every day in another place vacationing now some will call that living but still there are others saying that living is the act of reproducing as cells are dividing and forming or maintaining their shape as it is existing. Let me ask you something.
Is that living? That's not my thinking. The essence of living is not about how long one keeps breathing. It's not about collecting or maintaining that egocentric, hedonistic, material sense of having. It's not whether or not one is capable of reproducing either sexually or intellectually generating what society would accept as your offspring. Real living is about properly relating by submitting and obeying to what is known as the divine being. And while being aware of the divine entity may make you out to be odd, living is the act of knowing and loving the biblical God. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.